It's my honor and pleasure to have you join us here on The Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. So that's the mantra of the show. That's the goal of the show. Save more, spend less. Don't let you get ripped off. But there are times when I'm giving guidance, advice, information, you feel that I failed, that I have come up short in that mission. And that's why we have Clark Stinks, a message board at Clark.com. And so you can go there, you can post, say what it is you feel that I didn't do right or that my opinion is thick-headed or whatever. And other people can read it, they can comment on it, they can agree, disagree, whatever. Once a week, our producer Krista goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares highlights with you here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. What are you starting with? I'm going to hit you with a double stink. Ooh, cool. (laughs) I won't say you stink, but you're starting to get a little ripe. Clark, when did you earn your medical degree or become a nutritionist, or did you just sleep in a Holiday Inn? Doubtful. (laughs) Holiday Inn Express. That's right. They didn't didn't want to pay their rates. On a recent Clark Minute, you ranted to avoid drinking fruit juices and eat fresh fruit instead. While you may be correct with your opinion, you should stick with consumer-related issues. Argue about the cost of fruit drinks as opposed to fresh fruit and not be offering nutritional advice as factual. Also... As a friend of professional clowns who go out of their way to bring joy to numerous people from all walks of life, please stop referring to individuals who do not do their job correctly as clowns. It's derogatory to those within the profession. I never thought about that. And I apologize. I will come up with a different term for that. Uh, Old habits are hard to break, so I may slip up occasionally on the thing with the fruit juices versus the fruit. I was referring to a research study in one of the medical journals about how much better it is to eat fresh fruit than to have any fruit juice, and particularly kids are harmed by overconsumption of fruit juices. I was, in that case, I was playing the role of reporter, not expert. And a couple of corrections to your advice on retirement accounts. Clark has said that you can use the TSP Roth and traditional to take out what you need based on the tax situation you're in that year. Not true. As of today, if one has both pre-tax, i.e. traditional, and post-tax, i.e. Roth money in the same account, all withdrawals must be made proportionally. An individual cannot elect to withdraw money from only one of their TSP balances. Wow. I appreciate that. I was not aware of that rule and that is odd and harmful to federal workers and the brave men and women who serve in the u.s military that needs to be fixed by congress 401k catch-up luckily my hr department corrected you they let me know that i could do the catch-up payment in the year i turned 50 not when i turned 50 so i was able to sock away an additional six thousand dollars last year not only that my employer matches catch-up payments at 50 percent I would not have mentioned anything, but for the fact that if you can only put it away an extra 6K in your 401k one year, that year should be the first one you can. Clark, you almost cost me $3,000 in a company match. Mark. Mark, thank you for that. So in the year you turn 50, and 
The good thing about you, Mark, is no one, it seems, virtually no Americans ever max out their 401k and once they are turning 50, do the catch-up provision. And so you are a most unusual individual creating opportunity for yourself and more financial security. So good to, good for you. And thanks for clarifying my faulty language. Tipping, That's what we should call that, faulty language? Sure. Okay. Tipping cleaning people a dollar per day. Mr. Howard. Oh, no, no, no. I know that you're cheap, but cheap out elsewhere. You should at least tip $10 per day to cleaning staff at the hotel. You can make up for it with your super cheap Spirit Airlines tickets. So when, I don't remember when I talked about that on the air, but I talked about how most people who stay in hotels aren't aware that the people that clean your rooms, the housekeepers, are woefully underpaid and that you should leave a tip for them. And I talked about how I leave a dollar per night I'm in a hotel, and they're saying that's way too little. They're saying you should multiply that by 10. By 10. What do you tip per night in a hotel? Um, I usually do like three to five. Okay. Clark, there was a caller who'd won $286,000 in a casino in Mississippi. Thankfully, you told him that he'd have to pay taxes on it, but I am concerned that you might have undersold this a bit. Remember, if income exceeds 212500 he's subject to 33%, not 25%. Also, he has to include his regular W-2 income as well as the gambling winnings. You also didn't tell him that if he had the machine number, the time of play, the casino location, he could offset his huge winnings with his losses too. He can't offset losses against his regular income, but he can certainly offset losses against his jackpot winnings and all losses for the entire year too. Also, a Roth IRA, that'll handle $5,500. What should he do with the other $170K after his 10% for frivolousness? Index funds, S&P 500 fund, or others like it, I'd say. I think we can all forgive you for not knowing this since you've realized all those glitzy rooms were paid for with gamblers lost money. But the next time someone has a jackpot story, you'll know to tell them to put 33% in a short-term CD that will cash out prior to the tax deadline. I'd also like you to amend your 10% rule for windfalls. They should take 5% for something frivolous and 5% for someone that is truly in need, like a homeless vet or another charity. He did want some tax breaks, right? It's minor, but it beats a poke in the eye. Blessings to you and Team Clark. Thank you. You know, the 10% rule you hear me talk about is for people who inherit money, uh, win a lottery, in this case, won a, a lot of money in a casino, is that I find that if people don't have some amount of money that they can just do whatever with and take the rest of the money and put it to work for themselves, that if you don't take some amount of money and put it aside for fun, that they end up eating up too much of the whole pot of money. The tax thing involving uh, winnings in casinos, it's funny, I was talking with a gambler who says he always quits before he makes $10,000 in a casino because at $10,000 the casino reports it. I'm not familiar with those rules or how that works since I won't gamble at all. What happens to you, Krista, when you... <laughs> take your money and you play it in the casino on, what is it called, the hot tamale machine or something? What was that machine? There's a Tabasco, you machine, Tabasco I like, machine. And I like the, I love those Wheel of Fortune slot machines. 
Yeah, I'm like maybe I last time I went to a casino, I won $64 and I left. Hello, Clark. My Clark stinks is that you do not support small business. All I ever hear from you is how wonderful this big box store is or how great that internet company is and so forth. I never hear you stand up for the support of small business owners of America. We are the bread and butter of the country, not these giant mega corporations that have no reason to to love the people that make up our great nation. We are just a number to them, whereas each and every customer I have is appreciated. This is because and many I and many like me value their business so that we can make a living and then return that value right back into the city or town we live in. We need to support the small businesses of our community and the service is far, far better than any internet company could ever be. You get my drift? Support small business, please, for our livelihood depends on it. The sad fact is that the internet and other giant retailers have killed my business and I am on the brink of closure. Thanks a lot, corporate America. I'm really sorry that that your business has been affected that way and you are right. The entire economic engine of the United States economic growth comes from small businesses, startup businesses, fast-growing businesses, because the larger a business gets and the older it gets, the more bureaucratic it becomes, and they become a slow-growth story. So you, as an entrepreneur with the guts to get out and start your own business, you are who creates the economic growth and opportunity in the United States. It's true. Clark, love your show, but you fell flat here. Recently, a caller asked about ways to get better benefits slash rewards from different cruise lines. You even added the suggestion of buying some stock in the company to get some additional benefits. There are currently two cruise lines that offer that benefit, Carnival and Norwegian, but both require 100 shares at a minimum to be eligible. 100 shares of Carnival stock will set you back around $6,700, and 100 of Norwegian is currently around $5,500. That's a full year of Roth IRA contributions. Clark, I love your advice and will continue to listen to you regularly, but 5 to 6K invested in a single stock is a large investment in those companies and should only be entered into by people who have actively researched those stocks specifically, not just people who want a $50 food credit. Normally, you recommend broad indexes with diversified funds, so it surprised me when you recommended this. Not too stinky, but thought I needed to point this out. Thanks for everything, Alex. Thank you, Alex. And as I understand it, Royal Caribbean also has a program where you can buy stock and get discounts for uh, booking on their cruise line. And absolutely, unless you have a, a widely diversified portfolio and you're sitting there with a fair amount of money, you would not want to buy an individual stock ever anyway, regardless of the benefit that would accrue to you on, for example, on vacation. Razor post. We should have a sound effect when there's a razor post. Let's see. Do I have anything that would work for that? I don't think I do. No. Ouch. Would be that. No? <laughs> okay, here we go. Dorco, you completely sold me on Dorco. Deal News highlighted the Pace 6, Pace 6 Plus, and the Pace 7. I got them all. They were great for a guy who has avoided the blade for the last 15 years. I even sold my wife on the... Uh, Shai, S-H-A-I line. The other razors hit the trash can. Then I see a sale on the Dorco Prime starter set. Let's just be clear that it takes a bit of practice to become proficient at driving an instrument of death so close to multiple vital areas. I've managed to get it down to a couple of slices per shave, but it's definitely not the same. Huh. 
So I use a Dorco razor, and I don't have any problems with it. I was trying to follow in that post. Was there a particular version of the Dorco that was the one that was the problem? Uh, He got the starter kit, the prime starter set. I don't know what that is. I use the Dorco six blade. And and how much is that? uh, Well, I bought it on a deal. It was, I think, 80 cents a blade. Nice. For each six of the six? (laughs) Yeah, no, for the whole thing. (laughs) Okay. I follow Clark's odor back to a subject I've written about before, but he has not addressed as far as I know. A gentleman called the show with a good and bad problem. His income increased, so his property tax exemption was going to end. In closing, Clark said problems like income increases are good problems. Well, I say not always. Take the Medicare penalty premium, also known as IRMA. That is such a horrible system. If a single person has income that puts them just $1 over the premium threshold, they are subject to an increase in Medicare premiums of over $1,215, twice that for a married couple. So $1 increase in income can cost you even $2,430. But you could say the issue isn't a priority since it only affects high-income people. But isn't that what Clark's goal is for all of his listeners, to become high-income individuals? We could argue the merits of the program, but the execution as described above is extremely unjust. I would say I appreciate that. I'd say the real problem is the convoluted, insane tax system we have in the United States that distorts economic activity and discourages hard work, and we need a radical redo of how we do taxes. In my book, if we just went back to the way we did taxes in the mid-1980s, when we had two simple tax brackets and eliminated the games and gimmicks, phase-outs, phase-ins, blah, 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 we would be so much better off. So I would say taxes stink more than Clark stinks on that. I want to hear from you. Please go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks, and let me know where you feel I have failed in my mission to serve you. Michael is with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Michael, you've been searching around on the web, and you have found a vacation booking site that's offering all in all uh well let's call them package vacations at a better price than you're seeing anywhere else is that right uh yes sir that's that's the case uh i appreciate you first of all taking my call today absolutely um the uh my wife and i recently booked a trip to cabo and we we did it through one of the more traditional reputable sites however we we found one deal that was offering trips to Cabo four or five nights for $500 for the couple. And it looked like it was probably too good to be true. And I I did some research on it, and there were lots and lots of <laughs> different complaints. And I was just curious how legitimate these things are and what, if you, if you go through them, what do you have to do to, to protect yourself? Well, I am thrilled you're asking this because There are now a number of websites that are promoting package deals, especially to the Caribbean, at rates that people aren't seeing anywhere else. And the deal is they're actually what are called lead generation companies. And they're not really travel agencies. What they do is they're offering subsidized vacation packages in return for you going to a hard sell timeshare presentation. 
Okay. And the reason this is such a big business right now is that timeshare sellers know that people that are on site on a vacation having a great time or have what they call in the business a much higher close rate, they're much more likely to buy a timeshare that they never intended to buy, typically in the range of about fifteen to $20,000. Okay. So you buy what looks like a screaming deal on a package, but I've heard, and I don't know if the number's accurate, one out of three people come home having bought the timeshare. No, and I don't want that. <laughs> so uh, the consumer complaints you're seeing have a lot to do with, because this is a lead generation kind of thing, instead of a traditional travel agency, you're not dealing with a normal travel agent when you book something and if you need a change or whatever, that there's no there there. There's nobody really to work with or talk to. Right. So this is this is a buyer beware kind of thing. So to call it the price is so good that it's too good to be true isn't really how I'd encompass this. It's that you're paying to go to somebody who's trying to sell you something. Oh, and the other thing that I have had a complaint before about these lead generators is that the price you're told, you mentioned $500 a couple, that's before all the additional fees that they dream up. That okay. you wouldn't actually be paying 500 Michael, that before you're done, you'd be paying significantly more than that. So be aware that this is going on. Be wary and the time you should go to a timeshare presentation, no matter where it's held, is never, 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 not ever, don't buy them. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where you learn ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Follow me at facebook.com slash clarkhoward. Our main website is clark.com. I have a belief that I've had for a long time, and that is when you're trying to pick individual stocks, which is not really a big part of what I do, I'm much more into buying what are known as index funds, where I own little teeny slices and dices of thousands of companies. But a lot of people enjoy trying to focus on individual companies. I have had a belief forever that the best stocks are those of companies that treat their workers really well, who then in turn treat their customers really well. That the companies that excel at customer service will over time create more wealth for their stockholders. And I believe it through and through. There have been studies that say that. There was one that was just done of the airline industry that found that over the long term, there's a clear benefit to stockholders in airlines that do well in customer satisfaction rankings year over year. This study was based on J.D. Power's results on airline satisfaction, found that year after year after year that the airlines that didn't stink it up did much better for their stockholders. And, I mean, think how logical that is. If you go to a restaurant, it's a chain, let's say, and they don't get your order right, they're rude, service is slow, place is dirty, whatever, what do you do? You don't go back. 
On the other hand, you go to a place that seems to have its act together consistently. You're happy with the food, you're happy with the service, even more than the price. That place grows over time. And so ultimately the profits over time. So I know there are all kinds of ways people try to identify what would be a good company to invest in and to own. And I know this sounds too simplistic, sounds maybe anti-intellectual, and I'm not saying, well, this is how you should go invest, but if you are into individual stocks and you're looking for a winning formula, I believe through and through that the companies that do the best over time in public-facing businesses restaurant, retail, service businesses are the ones that get the attitude right, that they know they're there to serve their employees who then in turn will serve their customers. Everybody wins when you do that. David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, David. Clark, it is great to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you here, and you want to pose quite a conundrum to me, don't you? (laughs) I have a feeling this is not going to end well for me today. But, uh, Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> so my wife and I are in the eighth year of a 10-year plan to move out west. So we will be selling our house uh, in two years. And I, the house is from the, the late 70s. And when we bought the house 17 years ago, we updated a few things here and there. But... Um, a couple things stand out to me. The bathrooms could use updating the kitchen cabinets. And I would like to take the next two years to even take some of my personal time because I'm pretty good at carpentry and, and do some of the work myself or even hire some of it out. My wife says, no, it's going to take time away from us and the kids. Let's just sell the house as is, leave it the way it is for the next two years and let the next buyers decide how they want to update the house. Who's right? That depends on this question. So your house is approximately 40 years old. Mm-hmm. Is that right, 40? Yeah, 40. Yeah, from the late 70s, yeah. yeah. And it's in a neighborhood generally with houses of the same era? Correct. And you get to visit with neighbors from time to time. Generally, have people kicked past you and updated kitchens and bathrooms or are they also still looking like from a generation or two ago well uh, to be honest half of them have probably updated their houses to be a little more modern inside um and and half haven't right So. so that makes it tougher to answer the question yeah because if if you're aging in line with the housing stock in the neighborhood, people have a perception of what the neighborhood's worth and what they're going to pay for a home. And if you, at this point, leading up to sale, you put too much money into over-improving the bathrooms and the kitchen, you will not recoup that money when you go to sell. You will likely sell your home quicker because people will look at it as move-in condition but you will not normally recoup what it costs. Now, you brought up a curveball to me, though. <laughs> okay. And the curveball is that you 
are able to do work yourself, at least some amount of it. Mm -hmm. And so you're sacrificing the time for the enormous savings you have if you can do work yourself. And so that's the conversation that you and your wife really need to concentrate on. Because if you were to do improvements, cutting the labor part of it out, because it's mostly your labor, then you would have a return on that and that you would be able to do the improvements for at or below what you would get back in additional selling price. Okay. But if you were like me and you couldn't do anything for yourself, I mean, I'm worthless. I can't do anything for myself. Now, so. I've, I've done the hardwood flooring. I've replaced all the carpet and put hardwood flooring in the house. Um, I'm good with tile, so I was thinking about just stripping the bathrooms out and retiling them. Um, taking out the old fiberglass showers and tubs, but um, uh, you know it's a time. But it takes you can time to you can that. really get into mission creep with that stuff. I mean, you want to make it if you want to tackle the bathrooms, do them only so they look tasteful and they look up to date. Right. But don't get into where you're going crazy on redoing them. Kitchen okay. remodels, you know, bathroom remodel can be more limited. You get into a kitchen remodel. You, that can get away from you. Right. Now, I'll tell you, there's some guys I know who buy beat-up houses, fix them up, and then either sell them or rent them out. And you're not going to believe where they get their supplies to save a lot of money. They get mm-hmm. them from Habitat Restores. Uh, we had one just down the street. And so a lot of times somebody will take a perfectly good kitchen, they'll redo it, and they'll have cabinets that are just fine, and they'll be available to you. I mean, that's a way with your labor, if you can work out that negotiation with your wife about the time side of it, and you get materials at a really good price, that would work out for you potentially in selling the house. Then you don't have any apologies for the age of the kitchens and bath, kitchen and baths. Hopefully you only have one kitchen to deal with. Linda's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Linda. Hi, how are you today? Great, thank you. You're trying to help out your daughter with? Recently, you talked about how the best place for employment opportunities are the small mom-and-pop companies in the areas. And she's recently relocated from Maine. She needs a startup job. She's not really real skilled. She doesn't have a lot of experience. And I was wondering how you would suggest she find one of those little-type businesses in our area. So what you do, and first of all, what month will she thaw out from having lived in Maine year-round? <laughs> hey, it didn't take long at all. She's thawed. Because <laughs> I have a first cousin who moved to Maine, and, and we were all betting she would make it like one winter, and that would be it. She loves it and okay. has lived there, I think, for seven years now, year-round. And that's colder than I can handle. I think you either love it or you come back. <laughs> right. So your daughter having come back, the the easiest way for her to find one of those, and I excuse the phrase, but no name companies, you know, companies that are not household names, right, is to drive around to various business parks. Oh. And office parks, but business parks are easier because at the entrance. They'll have a directory of all the companies that are there. 
And it used to be people would get, maybe get shooed away by a security officer or whatever as they're sitting there writing down company names. Now you just take your phone and you take some quick pictures of the directory and then you look up those companies online, see what businesses they're in and go to their websites and see what jobs they might have. That's an outstanding idea. Absolutely. I never would have thought of that. And I bet you she will have a number of prospects for potential jobs in just a couple of days doing that. That's a great idea. I thank you so much. All right. And best to her with the relocation. Bob is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Bob. Hi. How are you, Clark? Great. Thank you, Bob. You stood up for yourself and made a difference in your wallet. Well, it was my wife. All right, so your wife gets all the credit. What did she do? Well, we've been a uh, 20-year member of the BB&T joint checking account. We have direct deposit, and, of course, now we are online. And what she did and checked the July statement and found a $30 debit going to BB&T for, quote, maintenance fees. So BB&T is a very respected uh, regional bank, very successful right. regional bank, and they, though, were charging you just for a plain old checking account, $30 a month? This isn't a business account or anything? No, this is a uh, personal checking account. They just uh, eliminated that checking account plan, didn't contact us, didn't send us an email, and my wife just happened to see if I check in the, uh, the account. And I see on that checking account you're earning a whopping one one-hundredth of one percent <laughs> interest. Yeah. That's yeah, going to no, make you both fine. really rich, one one-hundredth of one percent. Well, we joined them when we were up in Virginia, and it's the bank right around the corner from us, so it was you know, convenient. And, of course, we continue them down here in Florida. So your wife uh, calls them up. What happens? And they said, oh, well, uh, we're doing away with that account plan, that checking account plan. And then they found out that we were seniors. So they said, okay, we'll give you a senior checking account with no maintenance fees. So simply, simply by reading the checking account statement, you made a difference. By the way, the month of August is one of the banks, one of the months that banks raise fees the most. Pay close attention to this month's statement, and good for your wife looking at that statement and finding the junk fees and fighting for her rights. Todd is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Todd. Hey, how are you doing? Great, thank you. So good. you also have an 18-year-old teenage girl just like me. Huh. Uh, one, yes, one of them, yes. Yeah, that's an expensive process having, but a teenage girl is cheaper for auto insurance than a teenage boy at least yes yes that is true i've heard that well how can i be of service to you for your teenager well we we have not we were not able financially to put money away for college so we are now to the point where she's enrolled she's gotten scholarships she's gotten some grants but uh, you know we're still on the hook for the rest of it so i've been trying to do some research and just trying to find the best avenue of what to do for loans, I've heard you know not to give in our name, only to give in her name. But there are certain limits on certain loans, and right. So looking for a good place to start, and so she case. wants first to get if she's eligible a subsidized Stafford, 
which is where the taxpayers pay her interest for her, and then until she finishes school, then six months after graduation, she has to start making payments and interest is charged on the loan. So always the first borrowing, if eligible, is for the subsidized Stafford. Okay. And, and uh, then, is there a limit on that? Yes, there are limits on all of them. And the limits modify a little pretty much every year. So unless she's at a very inexpensive school or the gap is small, the subsidized Stafford and the unsubsidized Stafford are not going to come close to covering the gap. How large a gap is there? Like, what are we going to be responsible for? Right. That so guess maybe around 21 for this year. Okay, so you're going to go way past the Stafford money that's available. Yeah, that that's around 5000 or something, if I remember. I think that that's right. right. Uh, Joel's looking up the the current amount, 5500 5500 And you can only get one, right? It's not like you can go get two different ones for 5500 each. Right. Now, it says that dependents whose parents cannot obtain a plus loan are eligible for additional money, 9500 total. You would not be able to do it or could not qualify. Oh, okay. Either of those oh. circumstances. And then each year, the amounts step up after freshman year. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So it starts at 5500 and then goes up from there each additional year. So then after that, the possibility that happens next usually is a parent borrows under what's known as the parent plus. Yeah, I remember reading some stuff about that, but like I said, I heard it. It's best to keep the, the loans in their names. So you can't do it. You can't? Okay. Because, because unless she has a full-time job and shows the ability that she would be able to pay for it, Odds are, even if she did a loan in her own name, you would have to co-sign anyway. Oh, I see. So you're likely going to find that you're going to do whatever you can under the Stafford, and then after that, it's going to be a loan that you're on the hook for, for the balance. Okay. I mean, I called her credit, my credit union about that. I mean, the, the interest rates weren't weren't great, which I kind of thought they would be, or at least I thought they'd be better. But, but this is something you don't want to do at your credit union. You want to do this direct with the Parent Plus program that you can oh, okay. read more about at ed.gov for the education department, ed.gov. Uh-huh. The other thing is that she should go advocate for herself at the financial aid office at school. Okay. See if she can get college work study money. There's not a college student alive who can't stand working 15 hours a week. In fact, they become better students if they work 15 hours a week. I think that any family where money's having to be borrowed for college, the student who's benefiting from that education has got to work. They appreciate their education more. They don't spend as much time partying. And almost inevitably... And I may be wrong about this, but I am 100% convinced they will make better grades. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that I appreciate so much that you've just tuned into our podcast, that you had faith in the information and advice you get. You want more information from us? 
One of the best ways to get Clark Smart is with our free newsletters, Clark Daily, Clark Deals, and Travel Escape. Sign up now. You'll be able to unsubscribe at any time if you think I'm wasting your time. Go to clark.com newsletters.